Well, Happy New Year to all of you. I hope that you guys are doing amazing and um, ready to, to kick off a new year. Digging into God's Word every week and hopefully like individually during the week. Growing in our faith like never before. Um, that's what we're here to do, Dig. Uh, we are loving our city is what we're striving to do. Love our city in Jesus' name to carry the good news, to do uh, kind deeds around the city and point people to Jesus. It's because of him uh, that we do what we do. I hope you're doing that in your own place. On Wednesday nights, we're going to begin studying through the book of Acts beginning this coming Wednesday. Love for you to join us on that. And BCC, we are reaching for more in 2024. want to just reach up to God and reach out to the world and do everything we can to connect people to God and, and to his church, to the body of Christ. And I hope, oh, sorry. And I hope that you, I hope that you will be about reaching up to God, connecting people to him, and reaching out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and that um, you will strive in this new year to be a part of the body of Christ. To be a part of God's church, his family. Working together with others. I want to read a passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, it, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself, it is the gift of of God. What a great passage of scripture. Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says these three things. He says, you're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. That's a beautiful thing. Just, just kind of say that with me. Saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. I love that. I love that. I love that. So my question is, who likes Oreo cookies? You like Oreo cookies? I, I hope you like Oreo cookies. They're made by Nabisco, right? They're a sandwich cookie. Sandwich cookie, right? And they are, believe it or not, the most spiritual cookie on the planet. Um, we had a youth group party this uh, past Sunday night. We kind of have our holiday party. And uh, each of our teenagers brought a minute to win it games. And uh, one of the games was this Oreo cookie game. You had to put the Oreo cookie on your forehead and you had to, without using your hands, you had to kind of move it down your face and into your mouth. Uh, we had a couple people trying this uh, really well. Oh wait, let me back up. Uh, the banner in the background reminded me on the fourth Saturday of every month, we will be serving pancakes to our community. Uh, if you're watching and you're close, come on the fourth Saturday every month in the morning, pancakes. And um, this is Cassidy. He's trying to get the cookie in his mouth as well. So do you eat when, Do you eat uh, the outside of the cookie or the inside of the cookie first? What do you do? You open it up, kind of eat that gooey uh, frosting middle, or do you like eating that cookie outside? Do you remember the uh, little jingle? Because a kid will eat the middle of an Oreo first and save the... A chocolate cookie outside for last. Oreo cookie. I bet you never thought of it before. 
but you are a spiritual Oreo cookie. That's what you are. That's what we are. Saved by grace, through faith, gift of God. Think about that. Between these two spiritual cookies, saved by grace, and a gift from God or from above, is your faith. Through faith. You and I are a spiritual cookie. And in the middle of those two spiritual chocolate crispy cookie outsides is you and your faith. Your faith is that middle. That your faith is the middle. Oreo. Oreo. The most spiritual cookie that you will ever eat in this world. Right? Oreo means gift from above. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really mean that. Uh, possibly it's a French word that means gold. Gold, like or, O-R. Or as in like um, minerals, gold. That's what it means. And don't just be an Oreo cookie. Like be a double stuffed Oreo cookie, right? Double up that faith, okay? Oreo cookie, just keep that in mind. Next time you eat one, you just remember that, okay? What is the greatest act of faith that you have ever experienced? Think about this. Great acts of faith. You personally, like what is the, the greatest act of faith that you personally have ever like done or participated in or uh, attempted? Like think about that in your own life. We're going to have people share uh, their great act of faith or risk or uh, some act of courage that they did here in our uh, live service. Um, Charles Blondin, uh, as you know, is a, <clears throat> a French tightrope walker. And he's, he's walked again, uh, over that tightrope over all kinds of things, but, but one of his most famous walks is over Niagara Falls, and he did it more than once. Can you imagine walking on a tightrope, a cable, across Niagara Falls from the United States to Canada with just a pole in your hand, you know, for balance. I mean, that, that, that would take an act of faith, right? I mean, it would take an act of faith to get out there and start walking on that wire. I, I don't think I could do it. But the real act of faith is when his manager, Harry... Colcord climbed on Blondin's back and trusted Blondin, Blondin to take him on over to Canada. That is an act of faith. And so I ask you, what is the greatest act of faith that you have ever experienced? Because as we move into this new year, we are talking, we are going to talk about faith. Faith, this example of faith. Um, so today as we kick off the new year, this new series, this new series is called Your Faith Has Saved You. Great passages of scripture that we're going to look to look to in the next few weeks. But we're talking about faith. Your faith has saved you. Think about that. Your faith has saved 
you. Because you talk to a lot of people and they'll tell you, you can't save yourself, only God can save you. And while that is so, so very true, you and I play a very key role in our faith in God and salvation that can come to us. God has made it so that you and I are partners with him in the process and in the experience as well. And so we're talking about faith. It's a big, big, big topic. And we're just going to kind of break into it today. I want to just kind of introduce the thought of faith and get us thinking about faith. And then we're going to finish up today with a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 17 about, about faith, about a faith that saves, that neatly ties into uh, this new year and, and a key principle for us as we move into the new year. So faith, faith, think about faith. People have all kinds of ideas about faith. And many of them are not even religious oriented, right? They're not connected to anything religious or supernatural at all. Faith connects the physical and the spiritual. Faith. Faith has to do with real trust in unseen things. Faith tries to put meaning into life, into our existence. Faith tries to make sense of all this. Everything that we see and everything that we know and everything that we experience and all that is around us, faith tries to make sense of it all. When we think of faith, words like trust and risk and courage and hope come to mind, right? Studies show, studies show us that the number one thing that Americans point to for meaning in life is guess what? Family, family. In studies that were done, the highest percentage of people pointed to family as the most important, meaningful thing in their life. After family came career, and then money, and then faith, and then friends. Even among Americans, faith is not the most important thing that people look to for meaning. Now, most people who believe that there is a God would say that God is over everything. Most of us would logically understand that. But the reality is that family and other things come first in their lives. Maybe in your life as well. They put more hope and more faith in other things other than God. There is a disconnect when it comes to everyday life on the earth and God being in full control of our everyday life. On the earth. And so for most people, there is uh, some form of a gap or a fuzzy spot or a static between faith and reality. There is a shift that has got to be made 
in our minds, in our hearts, if faith is ever going to be number one in our life. Not just in thought, but in reality. Not just in idea, but in real life ways. And I'm kind of really excited about this because I'm working on a book. Been working on this book for a while. It's called Make the Shift. Make the Shift. And it's about having a, a seismic shift in our thinking when it comes to kingdom living. When it comes to putting God, heavenly kingdom truth into our everyday living in life. The shift, making the shift. And it, sh it shows up in a lot of different ways in our life and in our reality. Like when Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him. When Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become a servant. See, that's a shift because we don't think that way as human beings. We have got to make a shift in our thinking, if we're going to think like Jesus, if we're going to let the kingdom principles and truths of God truly rule in our life, we have got to make this shift. Get it? Shift. So I'm going to be preaching on this uh, series, on a series called Make the Shift. Uh, in, in a couple months from now, I'm going to be looking for a few people who want to be a part of a team to help me bounce some ideas off of as we move through uh, this series called Making a Shift. Hey, if you want to be a part of that, you let me know. We can do it on Zoom if you want. So, what is faith? Faith. What is faith? We're talking about faith. Faith is, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is biblical faith. This is the kind of faith that God is calling us to have. So look at that again. Being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we do not see. Biblical, biblical faith is not guesswork. It's not blind. It's not wishful thinking. Biblical faith is being sure of our hope, right? And being certain of spiritual things that we do not see. Based, based on the evidence of God in what we do see, the creation all around us, and what God has already been up to through his interaction with mankind, right? Through the prophets, through the apostles, through Jesus, miracles, signs, and wonders. In other words, based on the past, we can have confidence and faith in the future. The question isn't, is there a God? Look around, that's obvious. And the question isn't, do we exist? Look around, that's obvious. The tension is in connecting those two things. And our faith lies in our ability to merge the spiritual and the physical. See, our faith, our faith lies in our ability to merge those two things. This is what makes up either the greatness of our faith or the weakness of our faith. 
God comes alongside us to help us. We have his word, we have his Holy Spirit, and they help us be able to merge these two things. But as co-workers with God, our will, our human will, and our intellect must surrender and choose to obey God over everything else. Even at times against our own logic, our own understanding, and our own thinking. Great faith merges well. Lack of faith or unbelief merges poorly. Poorly. Both then reveal us. See, these they reveal us, right? Frustration, doubt, anger, confusion, or trust, belief, patience, joy. See, we are either operating in one or the other. We are either operating with a great faith because we are we are so sold out to our trust in God, or we are operating in frustration and anger because our lack of faith and trust in God. In Luke chapter 17, I want to get to this passage. Luke 17, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. This is the third year of his ministry. This will be the last time that he goes up to Jerusalem, uphill to Jerusalem, right? His last trip. And here's what it says. Chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. That's pretty cool, isn't it? First of all, Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on another journey. He went all over the place taking these journey, bringing his disciples, teaching, preaching, healing, being among the people, interacting with people. And so Jesus is on another journey. And I just got to ask, are you on a journey with Jesus? I, I hope that you see your whole life. I, I want to see my whole life as I'm on this journey with Jesus. And everything that I do, wherever I go, whatever I'm a part of, wherever God puts me, I am on this journey with Jesus. And it may go in different directions, but I'm still on the same journey with Jesus. I hope we see ourselves in that way. And so he's on this journey with his disciples, and he's up there uh, uh, under Galilee, where Galilee and Samaria kind of uh, meet in the Holy Land. And he's on one of those border cities. Or, or, or towns, probably not a very big town. And he's, he's traveling, right? And he's, he's in one of these places. And look what happens as he was going into a village. So they're approaching this village and outside the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. So they see Jesus and they come to meet Jesus, but they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This is an incredible story of, of this, this awesome interaction that Jesus has with these ten guys. 
right? And there's a few things uh, that we have to know, right? Here's this interaction, not just between people, like Jesus and the ten, but between heaven and earth. This is an interaction that is the spiritual touching the physical. This is incredible. This is where faith, our faith, comes into play. This is where you and I get to be that double-stuffed Oreo cookie middle. When, when God interacts with the world and we get to respond in some way to what God is up to, it's a supernatural interaction. Ten men, all in leprosy, this skin disease, it's gross, it's, it's, it's highly contagious. They are declared unclean. They can no longer live among the people. They have to go live out in the desert or, or outside the city walls. They can't come anywhere near. And if anyone comes near, they're supposed to yell, unclean, unclean, don't come near me, don't come near me. A very, uh, a very humiliating way to live your life. And in most cases, you would never be cleansed of this disease. You would die out there with this disease. It's a nasty, nasty sickness. Well, they see Jesus coming and they come and they, they meet Jesus from a distance. They, out of respect for the people and for Jesus, they keep their distance. They keep their distance. And they called out loudly to Jesus as he was coming toward the city and they're outside the city. They yelled to Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So they know that Jesus is a rabbi. Maybe they've heard about him. This is the third year of his ministry. He had been through there before. Somehow they knew this is Jesus and they are crying out to him. They knew he had the authority. They knew he had the power to do something for them. And they're crying out in a loud voice, Master, have pity on us. What a great thing to say as you pray to God, right? I think we forget, we forget that God is God. And we are, we are just, you know, the, the, the work of his hands made from the dirt of this earth. We are created beings who can create, cry out to a holy, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God who made everything and set it all in motion. Our words to him should be, Master, have pity on me. And that, that's the kind of humiliation and that's the kind of humbleness we should approach God with. And look what happens. When Jesus saw them, he saw them. He said, go, rise and go show yourself to the priests. Now get this, this is crazy. They have leprosy. They're not allowed to be near the people. And Jesus just says, rise and go show yourself to the priests. Why? Well, because the priest of that town or priests were the only ones that could declare you clean again based on your condition and allow you back among the people. So Jesus says, you go and show yourself to the priest. It's what the Old Testament said you should do. Go and do that. He will declare you clean. And as they went, as they went, please don't miss that, they were cleansed. 
They weren't cleansed and then they went. As they went, they were cleansed. It wasn't until they began moving toward the town. It wasn't be until they began moving toward the priests. It wasn't until they began trusting in what Jesus said. It wasn't until they began believing that their healing came. They began to move out based on the words of Jesus and then they were healed. And they were what we would call in a predicament. Okay, they, they were in that moment, they were in a predicament. Okay, like, like this, if you say so, Jesus kind of situation. Like, and, and I'm sure you've been there, right? You know, you know, you know, you, you have no idea how this, this, this situation that, that you're in is going to work out. It just seems impossible. It just seems like everything is up against us and there's no way out. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's a predicament. Because you have to decide in that moment if you're going to cave into the pressure of the situation or you're going to keep your eyes and your faith in God. And that's where these guys are. He tells them to go, but they're not yet cleansed. And so they have to decide, are we going to start moving even though we have leprosy? Or are we going to say we can't and operate out of unbelief? See, that's a scary place to be, isn't it? It's a scary place to be when God says to move and you're looking around and, and nothing has changed yet. It all seems like it's still the same. It's still a mess. I'm still diseased. This is not good. But you have to decide, are you going to trust God and start moving or are you going to sit down and wallow in your condition? All logic said, we are still leprous. We can't go. But faith said, let's go. He can do it. If anyone can do it, he can do it. And so here's what we've got. We've got obedience to God over my limited view. See, whenever we're in a situation where it's either I'm going to obey God or I'm going to rely on my own thinking, cancel out your own thinking and obey God, right? Obedience to the one who made you has to override and is always over my limited view. And so their faith, their faith, this is where their faith came in, their faith merged with spiritual trust in the unseen. They had to trust what they couldn't see because Jesus simply said to do it. And they, they had to let that faith merge the spiritual trust. And when they did that, healing came. But not until they trusted in faith. This is a powerful union, isn't it? It's the connecting uh, the spiritual with the physical. 
This is so powerful. It almost is like it, there's no way it could even happen. When you connect the power of the spiritual with us fleshly made people, it almost seems impossible that these two could even coexist at all. That we would just fry up with the power of God in us, touching us, around us. Like it seems impossible, but Jesus is like the greatest conductor. And the Holy Spirit is the one in us that allows it to happen without us disintegrating. Right? And what happens is there's this connecting of the spiritual to the physical, and then back to the spiritual, and then back to the physical, resulting in their healing. Right? That's what's happening with Jesus and these men. It's a super, supernatural merge. Verse 15. One of them, one of the ten, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, you know, they're all walking toward the city. They all get healed now. And one of them came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, meaning others weren't. Maybe the other nine were not. He maybe was the only one. Maybe there were several Samaritans and several Jews. We don't know. So let's talk about the Samaritan part real quick. He's a real Arnold Palmer. Right? He's part Jew. He's part Gentile. He's a mixture of their religious beliefs and probably their, uh, their uh, uh, nationality as well. Right? He's the guy who is most broken. He's the Samaritan. He is the one that all bets would say he would never be the guy to come back and give thanks. He would never. Out of all the ten, it would, would not be that guy, the Samaritan. I don't know. I don't know about this, but when I think about this, is, is this you? Are you that guy that would never come back and thank Jesus? Is it you, the guy that's most broken? I could tell you this. It was a murderer by the name of Saul, whose name later became Paul, that had a great radical change. It, it was an adulterer by the name of David, who God said was a man after his own heart. It was a prostitute by the name of Rahab, a sinful woman with a bottle of perfume. This Samaritan, he's me. He is me, an alien, a stranger of God, the least likely in our family to be standing in front of you today. Oh, by the grace of God. Oh, by his grace. Do any of us have any hope? And the Samaritan, he comes back. He's the alien, he's the stranger, he's the foreigner, and he's praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked Jesus, and he got more because of it. Because of his thankful heart, and his outward expression of love and worship to Jesus, he was blessed more than the rest. Verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? Was everybody cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. 
Some translations might say, your faith has made you whole. Other translations probably say, your faith has saved you. This is more, this is much more than what the other nine got. Yeah, they were physically healed, but the Samaritan was not only physically healed, but he was spiritually made whole. The word whole or well is the Greek word sozo, and it means to save, to heal, to persevere, to uh, rescue, to deliver, through and through. It includes both a higher and a lower meaning, an earthly meaning and a heavenly meaning. In, in this encounter, heaven touched earth and healing took place. Physical and even greater, a spiritual healing took place. And by this, Samaritan's faith and his trust and his confidence, his own personal confidence in Jesus, he was made whole. By the surrendering of his will to the authority of Jesus, this miracle took place. And all the power from above was unleashed when his faith hit the switch. Nine, nine settled for personal gratification only. And one out of the ten displayed a great faith. And by his faith, supernatural, the supernatural merged with this Samaritan man. And his faith, his faith, we cannot understate it. His, this Samaritan's faith ushered in salvation and healing and wholeness that the others did not. What a great, powerful encounter. This broken man with heaven, the Son of God. It is 2024, and we are reaching for much, much more. I don't know about you, but I hope God will do amazingly great things in your life and in my life and in the life of his church. And we'll reach more people. He'll show us new ways of, of interacting with the world that we can reach more people and point more people to Christ. But this example of thankfulness and this example of this one man's appreciation is our example as we move forward. By your faith in Jesus, heaven and earth can merge in you and miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. Rise and go. Your faith, your faith has made you well. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. I can't wait till next week. See you then.